Welcome to AEM Early Access, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. Today on AEM Early Access, we're talking about cannabis use and mental health in Colorado. In 2009, medical cannabis use was liberalized in Colorado, and in 2012, recreational marijuana became legal, normalizing its use socially and widely increasing accessibility of marijuana throughout the state of Colorado. So as you might imagine, emergency department observations and data provide an interesting perspective on this trend, as it often does in public health matters, and have led to an increased understanding of multiple cannabis-related health problems, including cannabinoid hyperemesis and butane hash oil burns. Colorado physicians have also noted an increase in cannabis-associated psychiatric visits. Cannabis use is already known to exacerbate some psychiatric disorders like schizophrenia and mood and anxiety disorders. It's also been associated with psychotic symptoms and early onset of psychotic disorders. Today we're discussing a recent academic emergency medicine article entitled Mental Health-Related Emergency Department Visits Associated with Cannabis in Colorado. Lead author Caitlin Hall and her colleagues in the Colorado Department of Public Health, the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and the Rocky Mountain Poison and Drug Center in Denver sought to investigate this association further, and today we're having a conversation with corresponding author Dr. Andrew Monty. Dr. Monty is an associate professor of emergency medicine and medical toxicology in the Department of Emergency Medicine and Pharmaceutical Sciences at the University of Colorado and the Rocky Mountain Poison and Drug Center. He's being interviewed today by Dr. Adam Haig, a fourth-year resident in emergency medicine at Brown. Be sure to find the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Also, special attribution to the memory of John Denver and his song Rocky Mountain High, which was just too irresistible to avoid using here today. The song is one of the official state songs of the state of Colorado, in case you were wondering. Welcome, everyone. My name is Adam Haig. I'm one of the fourth-year residents at Brown University's Emergency Medicine Program. I'm joined here today by Dr. Andrew Monty. Dr. Monty, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I always like a chance to come and share some of the work we're doing out here in Colorado. Okay, uh, let's just get right into it then, Andrew. I think it's pretty safe to say that most of our listeners have never really worked in an emergency department in Colorado, but we've certainly seen patients with marijuana-related toxicities and intoxications. I think we can all agree that substance use among mentally ill patients can certainly exacerbate their illnesses. Just how big of a problem is this in Colorado? Well, I think I'm going to break that down into two buckets, Adam, right? So really, how big is the problem uh, The problem of cannabis use and, and it causing cannabis-attributable ED visits? That would be sort of one bucket. And then the second is, is what specifically is the effect of cannabis use on uh, mental health visits? And so the first is um, with cannabis, we are seeing um, a, about one to two patients per day. We are 100,000 visit per year emergency department. So that means about three patients per day that we see, and one to two of those patients I would consider 
attributable to cannabis based upon um, a, you know a definition that we have for research and, and chart review purposes. If we shift that over now and think about psychiatric visits, um, you know when we actually think through this, we are over a hundred uh, visits per hundred thousand uh, visits per year that are specifically psychiatric um, cannabis attributable visits uh, by our definition. Um, and you know this actually does become an issue, right? Because our psychiatric patients have our longest lengths of stay. They often will stay for a significant amount of time, days, and even in some cases more than a week actually before they're actually sure. able to get a bed in a psychiatric uh, facility. So when we sort of think about that, that has an, a significant impact on the flow of our emergency department. I know everybody out here can, out there can relate to having issues with the back door of the emergency department and not having quite enough beds. And so this contributes significantly in that regard. You said one to two per day. That does seem like a lot. What are the most common presentations you see in your emergency department? So actually, psychiatric um, illness is the most common reason why people have a cannabis attributable visit, um, by again, by our definition that we can discuss here shortly. But then after that, it would be acute intoxication and altered mental status. Um, and then after that, our gastrointestinal, so the cannabinoid hyperemesis uh, syndrome type of visits. So those are the top three um, cannabis attributable visits that we see in our emergency department. I see. Let Let's jump right into the study here. Uh, what was the primary aim and what questions did you set out to answer for your study? Well, the primary objective was to determine uh, if the prevalence ratios of psychiatric visits are related, um, related to cannabis are, are, are higher than um, in those patients that actually have psychiatric visits that are unrelated to, to uh, cannabis. Um, I, I would suggest to you that um, prevalence ratios is the right way to do these types of analyses because it controls for volume, uh, because obviously if the gross number goes up and you don't control it for visits, um, then, then you have a different rate, and really the rates are what we care about. Can you tell us a little bit about the two databases that you used? Uh, absolutely. So the Colorado Hospital Association Emergency Department database is a um, database that that's pulled from uh, many hospitals across the state. So there are actually 69 different hospitals that are representative of rural environments, urban environments, academic um, uh, environments, and then private hospitals as well. And so what they do is they pull um, cases uh, and or diagnoses by ICD code. And so they pull all those down and that way they can see trends in, in um, the coding across all of these uh, places in, in, in the state. And um, as you can imagine, University of Colorado is one of those because we are an urban academic hospital in Denver with a high volume. And so we submit data to the Colorado Hospital Association. So we sort of start with the overall numbers of just the ICD codes from the CHA. We actually also did that same poll locally at our University of Colorado Hospital. Um, and then we actually went through and we looked at every single chart and we determined, okay, well, is this is it actually uh, attributable to cannabis or does it just have an ICD code? ICD codes are billing and diagnosis codes, right? And so, you know, sometimes you'll get something that is marked as a billing code, but they smoked pot once in 1962 and have never done it again. And, and the old ICD-9 codes were just not quite sophisticated enough and granular enough to, to parse that those issues out. 
ICD-10 codes are a little bit better, right? But but they still actually, there's a lot of opportunity for miscoding there. So the chart review piece is actually a really important part to, um, to determine whether or not these visits are actually attributable to cannabis. And so that's what we did with the UCH data. I see. And the UCHED data, that was used to kind of verify the larger population statewide. Is that correct? Well, it was a. It gave us an opportunity to, um, to again get get more granularity on this and actually understand whether or not this was just due to okay, well there are more people in the population actually using or it, or if these visits were actually you know considered attributable to cannabis you know because again they, these people with psychiatric disease could have said okay well I smoked once many years ago right um, mm-hmm. but the visit wasn't really sort of felt to be due to to cannabis um, and so the chart review really actually helps us get at that that limitation and so it really sort of comes at the problem from a different angle and gives a little bit more detail I see and and Andrew can you share with our listeners what you found? Absolutely. I mean, the, what we found was is that um, there's about a, a five-fold increased prevalence ratio um, for um, a psychiatric uh, cannabis a tr- a cannabis-associated visits, right? And I would put it that way. It's still cannabis-associated. This does not mean cannabis caused um, caused these illnesses. Um, but from the larger perspective, um, the CHA data demonstrates about a five-fold increase, and we demonstrated that in the UCH data, actually, even when we go into the charts and we look at it and we say, okay, well, does this visit actually fit our definition of cannabis attributable? And so on that note, we should probably discuss what our definition of cannabis attributable is, right? So our definition of cannabis attributable is the ED doc says, hey, look, this probably was caused by cannabis. And so, you know, that's easy when somebody eats a bunch of edibles and then they become panicked or get anxious and they say, yeah, well, this is probably what caused them to get anxious and end up in our emergency department. That's sort of one, right? Um, It actually becomes more difficult when somebody has sort of chronic depression that is uh, temporally associated with increased um, cannabis uh, exposure, right? So, So if somebody's smoking a lot more pot and their depression increases, you can't necessarily say it's absolutely due to it, but it certainly uh, tr- contributes to it. We actually know that from the literature previously. We absolutely know that acute cannabis use causes psychosis and actually um, increasing uh, cannabis uh, um, use is associated with increased depression and anxiety conditions. So, you know, getting back to our definition, ED doc says, yes, this is likely due to cannabis. Number two, if that that if you don't hit that one, then you actually have to have a condition that is known to be associated with cannabis use, a positive urine toxicology screen and um, and temporal uh, relationship to use. So they had to say, yes, this person is using um, marijuana more frequently and they, their last use was today type of thing. And they had to have a urine toxicology if we were going to say, okay, well, their depression may be attributable to, to cannabis. So all of those three things had to be present in that second definition. And the ED provider needs to code both diagnoses, correct? 
Well, uh, not in our um, in our system, right? So we don't do coding ourselves. Our, our our coders do that. We do do diagnoses, but our coders are incredibly adept and incredibly sensitive, actually, at picking up any mentions of cannabis. We actually did a sensitivity analysis on these data at UCH, and we actually couldn't find any cases where cannabis was mentioned and there wasn't a billing code um, for cannabis associated with it. They, they are... Um, you know, because I think that they just do keyword searches, actually, and that's how they're able to pull these things out. But, you know, the, the implication of that is because they're pulling out everything, right, not all of those visits are going to actually truly be cannabis attributable. And so that's why the chart review is critical in going through these as well. And so when we reviewed, you know, 2,600 ED visits with ICD codes, only 975 of them actually were met the definitions of cannabis attributable in our local ED. One of your secondary outcomes, Andrew, was um, you noticed a pretty significantly increased rate of uh, ED visits for both cannabis and mental health over the uh, study period, increased from 224 to 268 per 100,000. Yes, that's correct. That's a, That was in the CHA data. Um, and so that's a pretty sizable increase, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, some of that is certainly just due to increased availability. You know, again, that's where we can really say those numbers are um, are associated with cannabis use um, because those are just ICD codes, you know, in the larger data set. You know, I would suggest that the UCH data is a little bit um, stronger because we've gone through and said, OK, well, these meet this this definition rather than just these two um, codes being uh, coincident. Let's touch briefly just on uh, a limitation of this study. You mentioned both in this discussion and in the paper that due to the nature of the study, marijuana cannot be interpreted as causative, but rather correlative. How do you see future research in this area avoiding this issue, if possible? Well, the only really true way to find um, causation with uh, it, it, for this question, I would suggest, is to actually have a cohort study, mm -hmm. right? So you follow a uh, cohort study, a representative cohort um, with that um, you know are in an area of high availability, and and see what happens, right? And the people that go on to use cannabis um, regularly, do they have a higher rate of psychiatric um, disease? And then you actually need to act, uh, start to uh, to compare that to other substances as well. We know that substance abuse is associated with psychiatric illness, as you noted at the outset here, right, Adam? And so the question is, is really, okay, does cannabis truly in increase that or is it the mental health that causes the cannabis? That's a hard question mm -hmm. to really get at and untangle. Sure. Um, but we know that people with um, with mental health Ill issues, actually the number one reason why they die and they die early is actually due to substance abuse issues. And so, you know, this is an area that really needs to be focused on from a uh, public health standpoint and really start to educate patients. Um, hey, look, you know, you're feeling more depressed. The wrong thing to do is actually to start to use more drugs and cannabis in this case um, being, you know, the most commonly abused uh, illicit drug after after alcohol. Um, you know, you, you don't want to exacerbate any of these symptoms. Andrew, um, pardon me while I quote a line from your uh, study here. You say, as more states legalize cannabis across the country, it is critical that the impacts of legislation are well described so that legislatures and voters make informed decisions related to public health policy and practice. How do you think this study and the data from this study is going to impact future legislation, not only in Colorado, but nationwide? 
Well, again, I think recognition is the first thing, right? Uh, actually, having um, legislators and patients and um, and clinicians understand that these things are associated and there needs to be education around them, right? We can actually mitigate some of these risks by just simply educating the public. Um, but the other thing is actually um, developing better resources for addiction in general, right? You know, I mean, if mm -hmm. if we actually have better resources for addiction, we can actually uh, counsel people through this, both behaviorally as well as pharmacologically um, and through, you know, better he public health messaging, perhaps you can start to, to mitigate some of the impact of cannabis on exacerbation of mental health illness. So that's that. I actually think that a lot of that comes from, um, you know, institutional administration and governmental administration um, identifying this as a need. You know, most of the most of the substance abuse treatment right now in this country is surrounded around, you know, cocaine and heroin and now prescription opioids. But there aren't a lot of resources, even in Colorado, for patients to get substance abuse uh, treatment for cannabis. And so that's actually a real need that needs to be filled as we start to increase availability of cannabis across this country. I can certainly second that last statement you made up here in the Northeast. We have a lot of our addiction programs are, are focused, as you said, on alcohol and particularly opioids in the past few years. And I'm not really aware of any at all that focus primarily on cannabis. So certainly an unmet need here as well. Yeah. You know, I actually gave a lecture to the addiction fellows here locally just earlier this week. And I talked to one of the attendings there and I said, so, you know, this is a very sort of well-to-do addiction clinic, right? Like, and, you know, people are paying to get in here. And interestingly enough, um, you know, if people are willing to pay for these, he says that 95% of his practice right now is associated with cannabis addiction. I mean, that's incredible, right? That's an incredible number. And that's really sort of the the, the upper stratosphere of the um, sociodemographic um, cut. And we just don't actually have access to substance abuse for sort of lower socioeconomic uh, type folks. It's just really sad. Mm -hmm. It is. And... and... You know, look, looking nationwide, it seems like the marijuana legalization is is only moving forward, particularly in the West and here in the Northeast. So lastly, Andrew, if, if I could just ask you for a take-home message, what, what do you want ED providers to, uh, to take away from your study and, and how can this impact their practice in these high-risk areas? I want ED providers to take home that cannabis use is associated with increased acute mental health illness. I would like ED providers to educate their patients about it, ask about cannabis use when people come in with psychiatric disease and start to actually do some counseling, right? Counseling for substance abuse actually is a very, very large um, process that, that actually needs to be addressed by multiple different providers, multiple different behaviors, um, and multiple different methods, right? And so we, as emergency physicians, are part of that system. We need to recognize it, actually call it out as an issue to our patients and then also to our, our consultants. Um, and then, you know, really that's going to, by, by raising the conversation around this issue, we can hopefully start to build some some programs around this to mitigate the problem. Okay, I think that was very well said. Thank you, Andrew. Um, on behalf of Dr. Pence and myself, we really want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, we want to thank you as well for your strong work in this area. Thank you very much. Absolutely, and have a good afternoon. You as well.
Thanks for listening to today's AEM Early Access. Make sure to hit the full text of this article on the blog, brownemblog.com, open access through the end of May. Today's music is by John Denver and Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.